Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Thank you for your practice. This is a very powerful thing to do. So it's definitely worth training the mind to attend to the present moment in a daily way. I think all of us can afford, we, we cannot not afford, or whatever the languaging would be here, I think, a few minutes of this every day, if only to remember that there's a capacity, it's possible to actually be there in a more full way than our superficial attention usually is, like a something that has more depth to it, that has, you know, I like this exercise a teacher was having us do, I might have done it here, where you put your intelligence, your consciousness, you know, what experiences life, you put it in the elevator, usually it's in the head, we, we perceive it as being in the head, you put it in the head and you let it... Dis- come down in the elevator in the heart area and you experience life from there and if you want you let it if it feels right you let it this the elevator come down here and start experiencing life from there just as an exercise a few times a day or when you remember oh, what would it be like and often it'll like I don't know what's your experience I don't want to you know uh, Reconceived of what's going to happen for you, but certainly for me, there's something about brings down the energy and presence that is more full. The mind can easily be jumpy in past, future, this, that consideration, and the things the Buddha was saying. People think that this is delightful way to live to be jumpy and agitated. People who haven't trained their mind, they think this is happiness. But when you try the other version, grounded, or there's a delight there. And it's not us, us only... Uh, I mean, it's not always delightful. Sometimes it's actually really hard to be there. And we do this progressively. We learn to do this progressively. Some of us have left the body for good reasons, you know, are disconnected, dissociated. So the entry has to be really slow and gentle and kind um, but the the outcome I think is a reading of life an experiencing of life that is more full a reading of situation that is more the fuller intuition vipassana uh, penetrating uh, understanding of life instead of just for my ideas and how it should be and could be and should have been you know it's like what's happening here what's really happening here beside my biases and assumptions, you know, or expectations or demands, you know. What's actually happening here? Can, th- can that be met fully? You know, it seems to me also that it ga- gives access to uh, some creativity, creative thinking, a better way to answer, because I'm not rigid in my mind about what should be, but oh, this is what's happening here. How do I respond to this? And so today is the third uh, meeting. It's like mensuel, monthly. 
So it is like, ah, back then, <laughs> you know, we talked about... So we're doing a series on the, that aspect of the spiritual path, of the Buddhist path, uh, that particular aspects of ethics. So we could say there's three great fields for the freedom or fullness of uh, happiness in Buddhism. There's the field of generosity that loosens the selfishness and self-absorption. And, and there's the field of ethics, the offering, the generosity. It's another field of generosity, of harmlessness, offering harmlessness, giving to the world a measure of uh, um, freedom from fear, a measure of protection in which we gain access to also by giving. That's what the text says. By giving uh, freedom from fear, I gain access to that uh, much amount of freedom from fear too because I put this out in the world so I benefit from it so that's the field of ethics of uh, the encounter between my needs your needs the encounter between uh, uh, yeah consideration for self and others uh, and then there's another field of the mind development or the heart development that we were doing and they're all like vas uh, communicant they're all linked together they're all pillar of the same thing they they help each other. And so uh, we're exploring ethics. And maybe this talk will be, um, I think it's, I can feel that it's going to be somewhat personal and um, it probably always is. Uh, and also might include the story of others because it feels to me that um, this field is always active. We live in an ethical realm. Huh? There's, there's no, it's always you know, every day we're thinking, am I saying this now? Or do I say it later? Do I, how do I go about this? You know, like small little ethical thing and big ethical things and ethical choices we make that we don't even know they're ethical. We just purchase something and we might forget that there's a whole chain of uh, relationship happening, of uh, effect, of, uh, you know, and so we... Uh, this realm is uh, this this realm is ethical. It's unavoidable. There's always everyday decisions are impacting uh, the decisions we make. The speech, uh, what we say, is impacting our own minds and heart, and is impacting others. And so, it's not an easy realm to be born in. You know, that's one particular feature of the difficulty of being human being. It's, wow, I'm born in a world where. All my actions have consequences, probably most of them, you know. And can I actually live fully in that world, knowing this, not bypassing this, not denying this, but saying like, wow, I'm actually impacting others, and can I not lose ground around this, not become panicky or desperate or paranoid or, you know, or, or angry about it, but this is the realm I'm in. Can I take it on? And... Uh, and is it possible to actually find some joy in, the f in that fact, in that reality? Find uh, what, the what in Buddhism we call the bliss of blamelessness. You know, the, the, such a deep uh, caring for self and others that actually there is, uh, there is some joy in the mind, that the mind, the, the actions and the speech is actually not intentionally harmful, is aware of the impacts is able to take responsibility to, to wake up more and more. I think the waking up of the Buddha must have been a whole big ethical waking up, you know, 
that probably never ends. I know there's a version of liberation or enlightenment that is kind of a boom, done. But some, question, some people are questioning this. They say, wow, maybe there's no end to the waking up, you know, because there's no end to the complexity of this uh, reality. Who knows? Just for our consideration. So, uh, the precepts, the kind of quick, deep, powerful, but also quick version of the, an expression of the right or wise uh, way to live around the, the ethics in Buddhism is around the five precepts or training. And so there's, and there's many expressions of them. There's a classic. And, and so today, just to start the conversation, again, to read them, and a few weeks ago, I had my, uh, both my passport and medication that I need to live on and my computer stolen. Oh. So that's one of the precepts. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm a very privileged person. No harm in a way, you know, like it was just a bunch of little troubles to get over back in the country and get the new computer that I absolutely didn't need. And now there's a code to get in because there wasn't before. <laughs> And I've learned it's important. I've learned many things. It's not the right code. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, and so I'll just read one of the versions here. There was the ones from... Um, I've, I've read a few different ones. There's one from uh, uh, is it? There's one from a group in in South Africa, from a group of meditators in South Africa that I wanted to offer today. I'm sorry about this. I always think it's better to go spontaneous and paraphrase. I'm getting convinced of that again. Okay. <laughs> from uh, Dharmagiri in South Africa. And so the five uh, ethical Buddhist precepts are to refrain from harming and taking of life and to maintain respect for life, to refrain from taking what is not offered, to practice generosity, to refrain from misuse of the sense, senses and sexuality, to practice renunciation, to refrain from harmful, deceptive, and harsh speech to practice speech that promotes truth, accord, and clarity, to refrain from intoxicating drugs and alcohol, to respect the instrument of uh, awakening, which is consciousness. And so these are the five fields of not harming intentionally beings, killing and harming, not uh, stealing or taking what is not offered, not uh, harming with this extremely powerful energy that is uh, sexuality, uh, and uh, being very careful also not to harm with speech, which is another great power that we have access to, communication, speech. And then the last one is about intoxicants. And so the, uh, what we take in, what we take in and how it can disturb the system and the clarity that is possible there. And so these are vast fields of uh, exploration. Um, 
So the last time we were together, we spent, I think, a lot of time talking about speech, like consideration around the effects of speech. And um, yeah, today I, I had in mind to talk about sexuality and, and the taking of intoxicants, but I think it's going to go further than that. Uh, but um, yeah, so uh, I like that the Buddha slows down in his teaching and says there's an energy that is extremely powerful, sexual energy, and it needs to be uh, really deserve its its deserve its own chapter or its own field of mindfulness, of development, of uh, of attention, of careful attention. To me, uh, what we do here, like in the first half hour, of developing a quality awareness, a quality on what do we put attention on the present time, which is senses and maybe uh, the field of uh, inner landscape, you know, like the, the, the tone in there, the busyness in there, the spaciousness in there. So we pay close attention, an attention that is non-judgmental, that is, uh, uh, is developing as being stable, having stability, the capacity to feel discomfort, the capacity to feel pleasure without losing ground, without, you know, oh my God, I love it, I want to keep it, am I going to be able to have it again? Or if it becomes difficult, why? Blaming the others and stuff, just like, whoa, difficult. Let me be fully here to let this wash through, be felt, you know, in order to engage with it in a wise way. And so we, we do this here with what's happening here, the field of sounds, of temperature, of inner life. There's a field of sexuality that is deserving of a lot of the same uh, care. So care means a particular kind of attention that maybe has what maybe has love into it has uh, respect has uh, has uh, interest curiosity into it and so sexuality is a field that uh, often is disregarded is just uh, compulsive or uh, or denied or uh, feared or and so we're invited here to bring an attention that is honest, that is careful, that is uh, uh, related, very aware of um, the wisdom factor of what is harming self and others, what is uh, uh, liberating, uh, protecting, what is uh, enhancing. And sexuality can do all this. It can bring a lot of beauty and connection and uh, and, uh, some people describe the most spiritual experiences as being sexual experiences. So, so there's the pot- that potential and the potential also to you know, hurt deeply, as we know, some of us particularly. Uh, how this uh, precept for me has been alive in the last few days, a few weeks maybe now, is, um, as you know, I I travel a bunch to teach uh, retreats. So I was in California a few weeks ago. A retreat uh, was uh, with 75 people. We're starting for five days, I think. 75 people in silence for five days. They happened to be a member. We were members of the LGBTQ community, and uh, and um, uh, little parenthesis here. Uh, often I'll meet people and they'll say, oh, you know, the LGBT, whatever, 
my sense is it's actually good to learn the letters, to learn, yeah. to learn the language. Exactly. You know, that you belong to this group or not, it's a kind of sensitivity, it's a loss of privilege maybe to not know this language, to actually, it's a really beautiful thing to do to actually say, actually, let me say this right instead of going quickly over this as a maybe heterosexual person. It seems further away and not so important. It's actually, can, it's an interesting field to, what are these letter meaning? What is the sense of these words? What are the experience of these people? And so uh, 75 of us or more were sitting together for five days. The retreat was starting a Saturday night uh, and it was ending further during the week. That Saturday night, uh, when people entered silence, so they entered silence, they retreated, they were retreating for the wor- from the world for a few days, exploring the heart and clarifying and touching what we touch in uh, when we uh, practice meditation, we get to touch something that uh, we can call inner ethics. So rather than precepts, more like a deep understanding of life and fragility of life and sensibility and also what is true deeply. And for people of the LGBTQ community, lesbian, gays, bisexual, trans, queer, uh, intersex people, and that includes uh, same-gender loving people and uh, genderqueer people, and uh, non non conforming uh, gender non conforming people it's a, it's a language that is always uh, in evolution always moving uh, that ser- search to include more and more the experience of beings and so um, it's important for people for everyone in the way that it's important for lgbtq people to go in is to clarify you know, what is society saying and what is true for me? What is my truth? You know, do I have the right to exist in the way that I, I feel, you know, uh, etc. So questioning uh, gender identity, questioning, uh, uh, you know, uh, the nature of desire, and, uh, and etc. Deep questions. So they retreat, people, we retreated from the world for a few days, that Saturday night, there was a shooting in Orlando of uh, 49 uh, people of the LGBTQI community, uh, many of them with uh, brown skin and black skin, so a particular group of us. Uh, and so for me as a teacher, it was a very special situation. The retreat that I'm there to help along, guide, protect, uh, were in silence. They don't know about what's happening. They all gave up their cell phones. They all mm-hmm. went in silence. So it's going to be my... Actually, there was two of us, Anushka, Fernando Pule, and I were teaching. It was our responsibility to bring them back after the tenderizing of the heart and the sensitivity and the calming of the mind to actually welcome them back after a number of days in a world where there had been the biggest mass shooting uh, I think since Wounded Knee, or, or I'm not sure that I know history well enough. To, uh, but, you know, a, a huge uh, loss to our community, an attack in uh, our, our church, you know. Where do people uh, come and congregate to celebrate who they are and to, uh, they come to clubs. This is, this is our church. You know? And so there was a, an attack on that. And so it was very 
potent moment when we were in that room there in California at Spirit Rock Meditation Center to actually say, hey, you've been in silence caring for yourself and the world and clarifying your heart and strengthening it and, you know, bringing a lot of courage and a lot of patience and a lot of honesty in by not being uh, getting entertained and disturbed and uh, stimulated by the world, but s- sitting like this. So what we just did for half an hour, there were several days of that, from morning to night, as many of you know from retreat. You know? And, uh, and we had to consider this. What, what, um, so here was the first precept was uh, broken by somebody or... I mean, they might not, you know, it was, harm was done. It was killing and hurting several people. And so how do we hold this? That was a very interesting moment. And so the instructions for me towards this was, okay, so we're going to learn about the world. The world has been, you know, kept going on as we were in silence. And, And so, and we came here to practice some malleability of mind, of heart, the capacity to hold reality in a very honest way without uh, losing ground, you know. And so here's an opportunity, not that we would want to prescribe this, of course, you know, but life presents uh, this situation. How can we hold this uh, together? It was actually a very powerful moment to, to take this in, you know. And uh, people were very courageous, very... It was good to be in community also around that. Uh, I had been in communication with uh, people of a, in another center during the week for work. Uh, in Massachusetts, there's a sister center. With, uh, you know, it's a huge uh, retreat center with maybe 45 staff. And, uh, uh, and they had... Uh, written a card that they had sent to us saying well, on the other side of the country we, we are all thinking of you, you know? it was good to feel supported from uh, uh, other LGBTQI people but also from uh, heterosexual uh, people and uh, the whole staff at Spirit Rock also was very very uh, caring like uh, many of them uh, they said uh, uh, that they would be there, even if it was not the day they were working, they would come and be around. There's two of the cooks who uh, were uh, trans people, uh, or gender queer people, who said, uh, it's not our day to work, but we'll come. And usually at the end of the retreat, the retreat ends and everybody goes, we'll take all the leftovers and we'll cook them and we'll make a big meal. And... Uh, and we'll, cook, we'll bake cookies and we'll invite people to stay instead of having to leave the grounds. People will be able to stay and uh, be together and talk about what happened. So for me, these precepts were really, really alive in their, in their how these considerations or lack thereof can harm so deeply, trouble the mind and create unsafety and, you know... Uh, and how also bringing great care in that field can be healing, uh, empowering, uh, mm-hmm. etc. And so, yeah, so 
this realm is a very uh, it's a very charged realm the realm of uh, uh, sexual identity you know we know how sexism is prevalent how the charge around like somebody expressing an, a certain uh, their gender in a certain way you know how many people are killed for uh, by others who feel they should express their gender in a certain way that they're not expressing it in the right way the violence of this and so we're invited for ourselves I think to uh, to really take this on if it's not something we've considered like how our mind has biases in it, you know, how, how it can uh, close down and become judgmental and uh, have its own opinion, not be curious about the experience of the other, which is mindfulness. And mindfulness is curious about what's happening, curious about what's happening here, but also curious about what's happening here. Uh, and so... Uh, yeah, so this, I hope the way I'm talking about this is relevant for you is uh, seem to mean something yes what do you say to yourself after something like that like that what did you tell did you say mm-hmm. you have to sort of, what did you say yeah well first allowing the emotions to be felt you know that uh you know, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, s- people will be uh, responding very differently from one person to an, the, the other, depending on uh, a person's history or a person's identity, you know. Uh, and so allowing that, but also there was something particular to this event, I think, is that there was, uh, it didn't feel so much for many of us as an, an attack from outside as an attack from inside, because the person who uh, committed the the mass murder uh, might very well have been, it seems like, was somebody who was suffering from I- inner homophobia, internalized homophobia, and so it seemed like it was talking a lot about the inner work that, as a community, we have to do to accept ourselves deeply. Although we live and grow maybe in a society that doesn't uh, is not that supportive, depending on the area, family, culture we're in, you know, so. So the the importance of the inner work to actually make space for who we are, so that we don't want to harm ourselves and others. You know, the person who, uh, the man who did this uh, shooting, uh, was a brown person, brown-skinned person, uh, who seemed to have uh, be uh, homosexual or maybe uh, bisexual and went to a Latino night where there was also brown-skinned people, so you could easily read it as an attack on oneself, you know, an attack on... I mean, there's, I don't want to, you know, conclude or anything, but it seems that it could be talking about self-acceptance, partly. Of course, it's not the only answer. There's, you know, how do we hold uh, people in minorities? How much space have we given people and... There's so much in there. Generational trauma, like the, the story is old, old. For me, that's why I'm saying it's going to be a kind of a personal talk, partly because also I'm just returning this weekend from New Orleans where I was teaching another retreat. 
and uh, amongst many things and among considerations I already have in my life as a white person but I found I, I, I uh, with uh, some friends I went to visit a plantation where there was uh, you know years and years and thousands and thousands of uh, of uh, people African and African Americans who were starved and tortured and uh, abused and uh, and so to witness this and they were abused by white people you know Europeans and Americans and so just the legacy of this the legacy of this in our souls in our minds but in the in the society we live in how is this a question that is in my mind now it's an ethical question is how is this still going on you know in ways that I also participate in this you know what is the refined I don't know if that's even valid as a word but version of this you know how I do I keep certain people in uh, bondage in, in lack of uh, fear in fear you know and in uh, how do I do this? I have to be really honest as a person and as a community. You know, these are very big ethical questions. If we shy away from this, if we shut down, uh, it's not helping anybody. This is not the practice of mindfulness. The practice of mindfulness is to turn towards, with calm, with honesty, with courage and with curiosity to see what is happening and, you know, and be uh, caref- uh, aware, conscious of my impact or the institutions that I'm uh, the systems that I'm uh, supporting so I'm talking here really very much from the perspective of a white person this is my location so I hope this is okay So, uh, yeah, ethics, we can easily bypass it. We can easily, like, kind of surf above it. This practice is inviting us to actually arrive here in this world, not like, you know, be really in this world, fully in this one. One thing that I've uh, seen also in, uh, in in many ways in the last few weeks is expressions of joy, uh, that seem to be uh, expressions of joys that are not um, disconnected from suffering, from the difficult. They're expressions of joy that are within. Uh, so it's not like uh, kind of becoming down and grim, or there needs to be courage and stability of mind. And but also, what I see is a, a great expressions of joy after. The end of the, at the end of the retreat when we talked about this s- there was also pockets of joy that emerged uh, you know in, uh, I was wondering why in New Orleans in this area of the where there was so much I mean it's the Mississippi River this one plantation after the other it, why is there so much joy and music uh, there so much celebration you know, it's nothing like this culture here. You have, uh, on Sunday, there were, you know, streets, like I'm thinking of Saint-Joseph in my neighborhood where there's a terre plein in the middle. 
you know, this car goes this way, this way, and here there's a little lump of, there's barbecues there and tents and chairs and parades and music and like all over the place people were uh, enjoying, celebrating life. And my sense is people know what kind of society they live in, the space that they're given or not, and they celebrate, you know. So I, I hope I'm talking about this in a respectful way. And, and uh, um, But I also, so this is there. I think there's a way to live where we can be awake to what's happening for us. This is meditation. It's not a little shell here. It's not like this. It takes care of this here, and it takes care of this here, you know. And in a very imperfect way, for sure. But with commitment to understand more deep, deeply what's happening, the systems here, you know, with honesty. So to be, then I have, I have a mandate to be uh, honest also, is, is uh, when I saw the board, I was really happy about the everybody, but I also noticed that there was a staircase to come here. You know, and so, and this I can't bypass. You know, I have in my heart at least to say, Pascal, if you see that, see also that there is, it's limiting. This place is sending also a message, you know, and that's that's the reality of it, but just in order to be uh, honest here in the conversation. You know? And so, and so, that's also my responsibility. I decide to teach here, you know. So, in the way I'm saying, Certain people are welcome here and others are not, you know, to, to, to this. And so how do we hold this? This is the ethical realm we live in. So it's not easy being a human being. Of course we would want to, you know, that's what privilege is. For many of us in different locations, different identities we have, we don't have to think about certain things. And in this practice, I think we're invited to actually slow down and say, I don't have to think about this, but let me not put all the burden on somebody to carry this alone. You know? Let me take this on also. And it might not be the right day for this. You might say, like, you know what, I'm overwhelmed today, so I'm not going to take this on. Okay. But at some point, this is us living together. You know? If we do that, my sense is things could transform uh, more quickly than in avoidance or in bypassing or in Any comments, uh, something to add or remove or object to or question? Or So the, I think the happiness we talk about in, uh, or the, f- yeah, I'll use this word in in Buddhism is of a different, is such a different taste and a different feel than the happiness of uh, pleasure, you know, of comfort and ease or, or uh, you know, of being comfortable, cozy. It's not it's not that having all the ducks aligned. You know, it's it's a different. 
It's a happiness that comes from being real and stable in the realness. The realness of whatever it is happening for us, you know. This ease, the realness of, uh, you know, the realness of the uncontrollability of this realm we're in. We don't know what's going to happen for us. All of us, we actually don't know what's coming for us in the next few hours and days. And so, in, the, in this practice, we actually take this on. We notice this. We don't bypass it. We, don't, we actually say, wow, this is the realm. It's a realm where we affect each other. We can harm each other easily. It's a realm where we don't know what's coming exactly. And this is the realm we want to be awake to, awake in. This is what awakening is. It's not, uh, let me sit here and get high. That, that's avoidance. That's something else. It can be nourishing, maybe. Refresh the mind and body and heart to get, you know, blissful in some ways. You know. But that's not going to solve it. We're, we're going to land here later again. Um, I'm having a, a bit of a, a realization that in my practice, when I practice sort of a metta, loving kindness, compassion, where we broaden our scope in our meditation to expand to all people, all cultures, I'm realizing now that my practice is primarily much more individualistic. And, it's, um, and I was noting that my reaction was more of a sense of hopelessness. And I sort of was wondering... If the counterbalance to that is initially starting with self-compassion and then broadening that to a larger sort of meta, or I'm not sure sort of how to process that sense of help, a hopelessness in a way, mm-hmm. or lack of ability to do anything meaningful. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I mean, I'm not expecting you to sort of have the solution, but it's just sort of an interesting emotion I'm sitting with right now yeah, in yeah. reaction to what we're discussing today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the the qualities of the heart that there's four qualities that we want to bring in our life because they're going to be useful in different ways and also together is the, the metta so the loving kindness so very important for self mm-hmm. especially if we have a history of inner abuse or critic or self-loathing or something to actually correct that false vision that mistaken vision that I'm worthless or don't you know to actually correct this in inwardly so a lot of kindness compassion for self very uh, important uh, and then the access to joy is also very important so that one knows learns how to, to gain access to refreshment in the mind so in hopelessness, uh, I would think it's very important to notice how can I uh, nurture this mind? How can giving access to beauty to this mind, to you know, nature, garden, friendship, and to do it intentionally, saying this mind experiencing maybe despair, or confusion, or hopelessness needs to be uh, nurtured. And so sometimes we deny this for ourselves, you know. Sometimes it's really hard to find. Nothing does it, you know. But it's good to reflect, okay, half of the practice is also to brighten the mind or gladden the mind, you know, so there's that. Another aspect, another quality, so the, the benevolent mind or the friendly mind, the compassionate mind, so that's the mind that can be with the difficult without losing ground. Mm-hmm. So compassion is not hopelessness, despair. Compassion is steadiness, is courage. 
is the capacity to say, wow, and there was this in our history, and there's this in our relationship or in our system right now. This is harming some of us, you know, but let me stay f- strong. And then the joy, and the other one is equanimity. And often when there's hopelessness, it's because there's an imbalance, there's a lack of equanimity. So equanimity is another practice. So partly it's intentional, but it's not just that. So there might be, it's good in the mind sometimes to have the, you know, the mind can be uh, somewhat malleable, sometimes very malleable. You know, you suggest something to the mind. Could you be a little bit nicer, Pascal? Whoops. It takes it on because it recognizes the wisdom of that. That's going to be helpful. And it becomes, you know, in the same way we can say, maybe a little equanimity here could be helpful. And a little of it might be gain. So what's equanimity? Stability of mind. The capacity to be with the difficult. In the same way that you send wishes maybe of well-being to yourself or to others, you can send, uh, you can practice in the same way with sentences, equanimity. The practice is this is how it is right now. You, come, you start with a little something that is a little troubling, you know. Oh, I didn't know what to say, and I said that, and it's fine because we're good friends and it's going to work, but okay, this is what I said. This is what I said. That was not the best thing to say. Can that be okay that this happened? Mm-hmm. And we learn uh, to allow the mind to be with discomfort, with imperfection, you know. And slowly we can develop and be in a world where it's very imperfect. And we can be like, wow, this is how it is. This is how it is. It's not a kind of flat acceptance where it's going to remain the same kind of, you know, people could, we could think of it as the opiate of the, uh, how do you call this religion, as the opiate of the people or some, something like this? Masses. Of the masses. So I that kind of acceptance could easily become like, oh, you know, that's how the world is. Mm-hmm. Some people abuse and some abuse others, you know, mm-hmm. et voila. You know, this is not equanimity. Equanimity is the capacity to be with this and not lose energy. Okay. But have access to energy, and it's going to be very important in this world to have access to mm-hmm. energy because we're going to have to speak up, we're going to have to uh, be patient, we're going to have to uh, stand up. You know, and we'll need energy if it's all lust and despair and hopelessness. So there's a bit of a a kind of intentionality taking it. Is my hopelessness the response I want to bring? And sometimes we can't help, but sometimes actually the mind is malleable like this. It'll say like, actually, no, I cannot afford hopelessness. It's just not possible. I cannot afford it. Energy is so needed right now that it has to be uh, become patience, determination, clarity, you know, it has to be transformed into good energies. Mm. And I'm actually going to do this. I don't know how, I don't know how long it's going to take, you know, but I'm clear about that. I don't want to entertain hopelessness mm. or be entranced. Sometimes these mind states, we get entranced, enamored with, ah, oh, but I don't know. And we also, that's something I've seen in... Uh, it would be good that I see it in myself, but actually, <laughs> to be honest, I've seen it in students, where I'll, there'll be this kind of, uh, the best way I can describe it now is like trying to solve, maybe, let's say, hopelessness from within hopelessness. So I go back in there, and I, you know, but I'm, I'm in it, you know, yeah. And so, and my sense sometimes is there's a kind of fascination, enamored, like I go back in there, it's kind of 
comfy and I'm stuck in there and I want to solve it. But it's as if, you know, there was water with um, a lot of seaweeds or murky water or something and I would go in the water to see clarity, <laughs> you know. Do you see what I mean? It's like, oh, but I don't know, you know. And there's, somehow we have to more like, oh, there is despair, you know, and try to objectify it a little bit. Oh, what is, how does it feel? Mm-hmm. Not go in that and be in that trance, but where do I feel it? Uh, so can I be conscious of it? It's not easy uh, mm-hmm. to find a way, but it's actually totally possible. That's the teaching of the Buddha. You're not stuck in there. There's a way that you can actually notice. Oh, wake up to it. Instead of follow it, wake up to it. Oh, fear. Okay, fear. Oh, yeah. It does this or it does that or it does this. Okay, let me be aware, awake to it instead of following its thoughts and suggestions and world views. You know. Of course, it appears hopeless. In hopelessness, for sure, the function of the mind is to present a future that is hopeless or a situation that is hopeless. Okay, I'm under the spell. I took the pill. Maybe it's not so. So not to trust uh, your, you know, your perception so much. Mm. But I'm going to be aware. They're probably mirage-like. You know? And in that, gain power and gain creativity so that then ideas can come of what can I do instead of there's nothing I can do. You know? Okay? The five precepts that you're speaking of, I, what I say for myself is, I vow to abstain from sexual misconduct. Yeah, classic. And, and I link that to the first, I vow to abstain from harming yeah. anyone. So for me, it it works. I, I see it inter intermingled for, for myself. That works for me. Yeah. It's simple, but it works. For if me. it works... that's kind of the bottom line you know and when we say it works in as you know in in the buddhist thought it means it's beneficial for me and for others it's not harmful for me nor for others sexual misconduct is for me and for others yeah exactly because when we uh go away from these from you know when we harm others when we the teaching says and it's for us to check it out Mm -hmm. it says this is going to create trouble in this mind it's going to create a lot of agitation. It's going to create justif- constant production of justification, of remorse, of, or avoiding remorse. It's a lot of energy. And outwardly, it's going to hurt others. Cre- you know, in lying, I will remove the capacity for the, another to feel reality and to know the truth. You know, I will hide stuff, which is confusing. It's harmful. It's intoxication. Yeah, yeah. The intoxication is a, is a wide one because it's, it's about drugs and alcohol, how we can cloud the mind, but it's also about what we take in, you know, the amount of information we, uh, and w- the, the quality of information we exposed ourselves to is, is extremely important. So some teachers talk about, uh, uh, you know, replacing greed and selfishness in these precepts by renunciation, simplicity, and generosity. That's what it calls us to do. Replacing harm by care, respect, consideration, uh, courage, etc. 
what, one thing that comes to mind is, and your question of what did you say, Pascal, is uh, I brought, and we have done this here, I read them here a few months ago, I think now, there was an expression of the of the precepts from uh, Manzanita village uh, and in Manzanita village there it's uh, I don't know how they self-identify but I think I can say they're queer people there and they they came up with their uh, versions of the precepts and I'll read uh, two of those that um, I've heard there if I can find it Manzanita so it seemed to me that the whole week I had these, these expression of the precepts in mind. And the first one is about uh, not killing, and this is how they word it here. Aware of the violence in the world and of the power of non-violent resistance, I stand in the presence of the ancestors, the earth, and future generation, and vow to cultivate the compassion that seeks to protect each living being. That, that's about uh, the protection of life. And the one around sexuality is expressed in this way, which I thought was e extremely appropriate at the end of the retreat there. Aware of the abuse and lovelessness in the world and of the healing that is made possible when we open to love, I stand in the presence of the ancestor, ancestors, sorry, the earth and future generation, and vow to cultivate respect for the beauty and erotic power of our bodies. So, yeah. Okay, so I'm thinking that it would be good to take just a few minutes of silence here and let the words uh, evaporate a bit and see what's there in the heart, mind. And can that be okay that it's like this now? So allowing the breath to be just as it is, it might be a little contracted or free or smooth, fluid or chaotic, jumpy, deep or shallow, slow or fast. Just allow it to be uh, how it is and to be known. Maybe allowing uh, tensions, if there are any, to release, if possible, on the out-breath. It's a nice place to do that. Let go a little bit of the tightness in the, in the shoulders or jaw, or around the eye, eyebrows, 
forehead. Again, letting the intelligence, the sensitivity drop in the belly. Letting the body be uh, carried, held by the earth. Nourished by the air. practice of silent meditation we might discover that we're not so separate from life but we are life happening totally integral part of it an expression of it that's separate from one another same conclusion we might have when we think of the ethics and the impact we have on each other Notice that the space around you right now, because of your own intentions and the intentions of the people in this room, is a protected space, welcoming space, a relatively secure, safe space. You make it so. We make it so. Allow the inner space to be like this, a friendly space, a non-harming space, space of your heart, your psyche, this, uh, this vast, sorry, inner, maybe dark, velvety space inside your heart. beings come to mind, see how you can uh, wish them well, care for them for a moment, people you know, but also people you don't know, people we might have talked about today, groups of people, or those that come to mind.
May our awareness, our consciousness protect us from inner dangers. And may we be able to offer protection also to living beings, those near and those far, those we know and those we don't know. No one excluded. Again, thank you so much for your um, your care, and I truly hope there was something in it that was helpful and as little as possible that was harmful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.